Hi, today I'm here talking with Romania. Hello, Romania. How are you? Hey, Kate. I'm great. Thank you. Really happy that you can take the time out for us today. Yeah, it's always fun to talk with you. I, I, I enjoyed the last conversation. Uh, it was really interesting. I listened back to it before we did this one. And, um, yeah, I always listen back to the interviews once after I've done them, but I should probably listen back to them more than once because you hear things that you don't hear the first time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, especially with the amount of information, valuable yeah. information we were uh, exchanging. Yeah, definitely, yeah. So um, just a little recap. Do you want to just share a bit about... Uh, what your work is and, and what you do with the people that aren't familiar already. Well, um, yeah, when I moved back to Maryland, I wanted to be able to focus on finishing a couple of books um, that I did finish now, and um, I hope <laughs> I'm done writing. You know you know how that goes. You never, <laughs> yeah. never Oh, but I can't. There's no other ideas uh, stirring around in my mind right now, so I'm taking a break from that. It was about 15 years of just pretty much all writing every day and and uh, I finished up my novel The Hissian which I'm most proud of of everything I've ever done yeah. I, I'm hoping the world will read it it is uh, um, you know I think one reader um, very uh, poignantly uh, described it as a, an educational tool cleverly disguised as a novel and I like that um, yeah I just rediscovered the joy of reading novels again and how fun it can be to get caught up in a story where you become um you know, you affiliate yourself with certain characters and what they're going through, what they're learning, you're learning it vicariously. And that's a, a really nice way to, to bring in new information in your life. So uh, the novel is highly uh, informative and educational on uh, what we have to do and things that are going to happen in the future as far as, you know, how the human race is going to thrive, continue to thrive on this planet. And at the time that I was writing it, back in 2009, I actually channeled the book. I really didn't intend to write it. I didn't think I could. But the story came in, and then I was compelled to write it. And uh, I set some, you know, some uh, precedents down about it. I said, well, hey, you know, I'm not going to write a book that has violence in it or that has uh, unnecessary violence. Yeah. And my spirit guide said, don't worry. <laughs> and it turned out, uh, and I said, and, and uh, if there's any characters who have to be the antagonists, which, you know, in a great in a great story, there's always going to be yeah. some kind of antagonistic element because that's how evolution works, you know. And so uh, there is there are, there is an antagonistic component, but uh, the characters get redemption in the end. So, you know, I, I kind of demanded that. So I'm not going to write <laughs> uh, unless I, I don't want somebody to be a bad guy all the way through, you know. <laughs> so so uh, they're really... Wonderful thing for me is that the two of the the prime antagonists get uh, amazing redemption, I, I, and I'm very well read, and I would say some of the best uh, redemption I've ever read. <laughs> so that that's uh, made me proud. So I just wrote a, I read an audio reading of the whole book, and I found wow. an actress up in Maryland who did the parts of the kids and the sensei. Wow. And so I'm, we're just editing that, and that's I feel my greatest life achievement. And I'm going to have it up for sale. I'm going to put it up as a, a web page uh, for the Hissian audio and, and, and book and, and uh, you know physical book, and then have that link to my website and all that. So uh, that's I guess the main thing. Um, so what, the other thing I so did. So what did you is, say? Let's talk about that a bit more. What did you say the title was? What now? What was the title of the book? It's called the Hissian, H-S-I-E-N, which means uh, it's a Chinese word for immortals, the immortals. Uh -huh. And the Chinese believe there were these people who lived long ago and maybe still live now who are, they call Hessian, and they're these immortals who live in the mountains, and they take tonic herbs. So, uh, for instance, if, you're, if you've found, heard a little bit about this guy, Li Qingyuan, who has been discussed lately on Facebook, 
and uh, he died in 1923, but he was proven to be 256 years old. He was a Chinese guy, and he was a tonic herbalist in my lineage, in the Gate of Life lineage. Yeah. And he took uh, tonic herbs, and when he was asked about his longevity, he said um, he took Hoshou for the first hundred years and Goji for the second. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he took reishi mushroom and um, tonic elixirs, and of course he lived in the woods and he ate right, and you know he probably ate lots of uh, wild um, plants. and. No, it wasn't around the pollution of the of civilization, um, and uh, yeah, he lived that long. But uh, you know, it, it's kind of thrilling to think that he was in my lineage that I'm in, yeah. and that I'm out there teaching now. And uh, you know, I have a course called the Gate of Life, uh, which teaches the precepts of our the philosophy behind the use of tonic herbs, and um, that's another big prerogative of mine is to focus on not only taking tonic herbs, but to understand. And beyond understanding their benefits to us, understanding the deeper philosophy of life that accompanies their use, which came from China, which was observed over and, and cultivated over thousands of years, and it involves understanding how life thrives from its basic roots. And then you take the herbs with that understanding, and then you can even experience a more profound effect, um, understanding that, you know, what root energy they're going to along with, and what you and I talk about to everybody, a living food diet. Uh -huh. Living food diet, lots of sunlight in the food, lots of chi in that food, the vital energy of life. Chi has to be in the food. How much how much chi is in a box of pancake mix, yeah, right? Yeah. And so we talk about light sunlight in the food, and then when you combine it with the elixirs, which tend to come tend to come from the other direction. They go deep into the reproductive forces and the kidneys and the endocrine system and all that, the adrenals. And so we're sort of working from two different directions and when we combine the two, like I've said and I know you believe and you've said, is that um, I think we could have a, a near perfect dietary regimen. But again, it comes down to each individual understanding his or her, her own unique metabolic needs and applying it to them, but once you understand the deeper precepts of the Tao, the gate of life, um, lineage of Taoist herbalism, you can then uh, then you can uh, learn how to apply the very best, um, um, you know, yeah. herbal therapy for yourself, along with what you need for food metabolically. Yeah. Wow. I've got so many questions out for you. Just yeah. said, can you go back to the guy who was over two hundred years old? What was his name? His name was Li Qing Yuan, L-I-C-H-E-N-G-Y-U-E-N. Uh -huh. There's a picture of him. There's actually one photograph of him, and uh, he looks quite remarkable in the picture, <laughs> no doubt. So do you aspire to that kind of longevity yourself? Well, you see, I'm, I'm so glad you asked that, because um, I always say to people, you know, look, I mean, just seeking to live a long life for it's only another form of materialism. It's, it's um, it's what happens when we have that much longer to contemplate the inner mechanisms of life and and pierce a little further into the mystery. That's what we're trying to do. And as we age, we can start to uh, seek to attain wisdom. When we're younger, our reproductive forces are driving much of our motivation. Yeah. Um, and so, as younger people, um, the endocrine drive to um, to procreate new life is so overwhelming for all organisms. Yeah. It's more powerful than the desire to eat. Uh, animals will go without food during mating time, and uh, and so this is so overwhelming that 
that's why you see, you know, a line of 300 people waiting, waiting to get into the disco at night. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And, and, um, but then once we reach a certain age and women uh, start to have inobligatory moon cycles and men go through what's called andropause where our hormones start to leave us alone a little bit. And suddenly we aren't driven to, you know, inseminate every woman we see. We're, suddenly we're like, oh, well, let's sit down and just talk and get along. Yeah. <laughs> and let's like, you know, hang out and just, you know, have enjoy. And yes, I'd like to get to know you for once, you know. And then life starts to become good. And that is the beginning of, you know, the attainment of wisdom. And as that percolates down and percolates down and, and gels down, suddenly at some point, or not suddenly, I mean, eventually at some point we can sit by the pond and watch the raindrops lightly, you know, land on the surface of the pond and, and think, my God, I've lived life long enough to, to really be able to sit and enjoy this moment, you know? Yeah. And that's, that's the good part to me. Yeah, well, it's all good. <laughs> it's all good. But, you know, everything's so messed up in those younger, you know, reproductive things. You know, the, the, the fertility dance between men and women and pornography and all these things have really had a corrosive effect on how women, young men and women are relating. So that whole thing's become a minefield. And now um, just that, that moment when we can attain wisdom. So you asked, you know, do I aspire to live that long? Yes, in a sense I do because when you get to that point where you can sit and watch the raindrops on the, on the surface of a pond, you know, time becomes irrelevant. And uh, so you find yourself living much longer, but time is a different thing. And um, maybe somehow we start to pierce into the grand mystery. Wow. And that's beautiful. Wow. Amazing. So do you feel like you're going to live way into your hundreds? Oh, all that is, is God's plan, you know. <laughs> Some, sometimes we, we might be called away, um, and uh, our, our souls might be called back to the source, and we don't know when that would be. And But when, we, when that time comes, uh, the nice thing would be to know that we had finished our work, uh-huh. we had done what our soul came here to do, and that there was a fulfillment on that level, we might still think, oh, I've got this other worldly thing I want to accomplish. But if we finished our work at a certain soul level, I think we could, we could be um, ready to move on back to the source and on to other lives and other places or maybe back here. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's all, it's all according to the divine mystery, I guess. Because mm-hmm. I really believe in reincarnation, which I know from our last conversation you do too, so I feel like it's kind of irrelevant because you're just, you'll come back anyway, whatever you're meant to do, you'll do it. If uh-huh. you don't do it in this lifetime, you'll do it in the next. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, the only place I get a little materialistic, I guess, would be wanting to keep this planet healthy and its yeah. ecological ecology yeah. strong to support human health so that I come back here as another human. Cause yeah. I, I like, I mean, being a human on this planet was, it has been pretty fun. You know? Yeah. <laughs> It's certainly a beautiful place. Oh, I, I, and again, I'm at that place in life. I'm in that andropausal mode of my life where just walking in the woods and um, even even walking through a field and looking at the various plants and the grasses and uh, observing the dew on them, and that, those things become really special. Yeah. They always really have been for me, actually. Even as a kid, I was really into all that kind of thing. Yeah. One guy I really admire, Peter Dawkins, his name is, he says, the only book... You need to read is the book of nature, 
Yeah. I do feel like that when you're in nature, it's it's like a conversation, really, isn't it? When you're awakened, it's yeah. like the plants and the trees and everything. They're they're really yes. um, communicating. It's better than a movie, I think. <laughs> oh God, yeah. In fact, yeah, movies always pretty much let me down. I, yeah. <laughs> I think, what am I doing sitting in this chair watching this thing? You know, when I could be walking in a field looking at the grass. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> but um, life is extremely intelligent and it is um, interdependent of course everything is interdependent the biggest one of the biggest mistakes humans made was uh, trying to cut ourselves off from that interdependence yeah. and now we you and me and, and many people in our world and our field are discussing the reacclimation with symbiosis and I guess the main angle I come from is trying uh, to encourage people to take reishi mushroom because I believe that is the big plug-in. Uh, somehow reishi just plugs you back into all of that divinity of nature, makes you part of it again. You mycelinate yourself back into the whole deal. And um, Can you so I, I'm, not, that? I'm, I'm you? just a big provocateur of everyone taking reishi mushroom to um, to reacclimate re with the divinity of, of life. Why would you say reishi particularly over the others? What do you think it is about reishi? Well, reishi has a 5,000-year history in China as an herb of, that opens up the spiritual parameters in your life. And, um, they call it a bridge between earth and heaven. It's often depicted in scroll paintings as um, like you see earth below and people milling around, farming and drinking tea. And then uh, there's a rock escarpment and there's a reishi in the middle of the, of the, uh, of the uh, scroll painting. And then up above... In heaven, the heavenly realms are the immortals, uh, the Hisian immortals, flying around on dragons and stuff. And uh, and so, Reishi is thought to be a bridge between earth and heaven. So it was found long ago in China to somehow open up um, this benevolent energy and, and, and more of a spiritual outlook on life. So they call it the herb of, of uh, spiritual benevolence. Um, and so they say that benevolent cycles of health start to occur when you take Reishi. It has two claims of fame. One is it's a known, uh, it's actually called spirit herb in China. That's what it means. Lingji means spirit herb. Reishi means spirit herb too. And that, that Reishi is the Japanese name. Lingji is the Chinese name. They both mean spirit herb. They're tree mushrooms. They're not psychotropic, but they have a way of opening our mind up to the bigger picture and how we are actually part of everything. And you know that uh, the tree mushrooms are the primary um, information substrate highway um, in, in, in nature. Um, their mycelination uh, carries information around from one tree to another and minerals and nutrients and, and that's all remote consciousness. So they are involved in, in consciousness somehow. And if you look at our cellular cytoplasm, it resembles uh, fungal mycelia. So I actually believe that fungi, particularly the tree fungi, are the original modus of our consciousness. And that's why, uh, of course, you know, the psychotropic mushrooms have such an effect. Yeah. I cannot uh, professionally advocate taking them, but I do know that they can change. One time taking them can change yeah. a person's life. But reishi has a more subtle and long-term effect. It's not psychotropic. It just makes you see everything from a really uh, reverent uh, viewpoint. But also it tends to, uh, they say it's, it, it brings benevolent energy into your life. So when you take reishi, apparently, um, and according to my own experience too, and many people, uh, more benevolent things start to happen to you. You find yourself able to help others more and more benevolent um, things come to you. Maybe some of your dreams that you didn't even know, some of your potential that you weren't even fully aware of starts to manifest after you take it. 
and of course along with a healthy diet. Um, and so uh, reishi is also famous uh, for general protection of uh, the, the body's uh, you know protective defensive uh, mechanisms. Yeah. And uh, it has um, a class of um, nutrients called beta-glucans that are known to help uh, fortify and uh, empower the white blood cells to help uh, phagocytize um, the you know the crappy stuff in the blood, yeah. and so um, this is um, so I thought about it. Well, how would um, how would this work uh, to create such a positive and benevolent attitude? Well, if you build up your general body's defenses and your white blood cells are strong, and you're going to feel safer, right? Yeah, yeah. And what's that going to do to your adrenals right. <laughs> when you feel safer? Right. The adrenals are all involved with all of the endocrine, including the neurological hormones. And so suddenly you're going to feel a sense of peaceful empowerment. Yeah. And then there's just also some, uh, you know, some uh, mental clarity that comes in as well with reishi that isn't really, isn't really proven, but the Chinese just talked about it for thousands of years. So that's my big thing. I, yeah. I try so, to, so you're making me feel like I want to take some reishi right now. <laughs> do, you, do you take it every day? Is yeah. It's uh, it's completely benevolent. It's not known to have side effects. Um, anything, if you take too much, even water can be dangerous. Yeah. Um, it's always a limit. But um, I think if you're taking, um, you know, I my main reishi product is called Three Immortals. Yeah. And that's reishi, shilajit, and ormus. And I've had that out for about eight years, and I'm really proud of that product. It's still ahead of its time. Yeah, um, yeah. You combine reishi with the ultimate Ayurvedic super tonic uh, herb, which is shilajit, which is uh, another fascinating substance. I wrote a book on shilajit. And uh, that is um, uh, the only substance ever studied that is thought to be a complete a panacea for everything, uh, to benefit everything. It has every. It's thought to have every single element, every mineral, in amazingly appropriate ratios for our health of living organisms too. Wow, wow. And uh, there's shilajit in there, and then it's got ormus, which is an ancient alchemical uh, uh, process from uh, Egypt and ancient China that utilizes. Um, Sometimes crystal, sometimes sea salt, um, anything that will crystallize. Um, there is said to be a uh, a uh, sub a kind of a submolecular element in there that uh, is a what I call a dedication device. And um, so um, our body and our water in our body can be crystallized and. So when we take an ormus, um, if the if the water in the body is um, brought into its hexagonal structure, then they're going to have better cellular hydration and uh, removal of toxins and all those kind of factors, and just everything is going to benefit. And so um, ormus is said to benefit the ampli- it, it amplifies the effects of the reishi and shilajit okay. by helping with cellular hydration. Okay, but ormus is very much as well like you were just saying about reishi. It's like a bridge, isn't it, between the spirit and Yes. Matter, yeah. Say. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the um, yeah tapping into this whole idea of the attainment of wisdom uh-huh. is there uh-huh. mm-hmm. that so, dedication device. <laughs> <laughs> I love Three Immortals, and I would highly recommend it to people who haven't tried it. It's very potent, I would say. Um, oh, yeah. But what are they? You only use about a half of a teaspoon of it in a cup. Oh of yeah, yeah. Definitely. With a little bit of nut milk and honey in there, and you can make a coffee-like drink. Yeah. Uh, but what would be the other ways? Like, because on our website we have maybe like ten different forms of reishi, and I know people get confused. Well, wanna... um, yes, there are there are seven different types of reishi. They're, they're all uh, various colors, 
And the color of the reishi is said to relate to the various organ uh, system that the Chinese um, have, have figured out. So the red reishi is said to go to the heart. So the red reishi, that's Ganoderma lucidum. Uh-huh. The, uh, the red reishi is what I sell, the fruiting body only, um, 10 to 1 extract, no excipients, no maltodextrin. And, uh, and I was the first person to, to find a, a, a provider that was not putting any excipients in. Yeah. I heard somebody said to me that a lot of them have maltodextrin in and they don't say that they do, but they do. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, it's used for a number of reasons. It's used to prevent caking and hardening of the, of the herb powders because herb, herb powders themselves tend to be really hydroscopic. And so you need to put something in there that keeps it from hydrating. Yeah. But... Um, I don't use it. I, I, I have another method I use to keep it from um, hardening, but it's no maltodextrin. It's through using other herbs. Yeah. And, um, and so mine is a 10 to 1 extract, um, and, and mine is a red, the red fruiting body. There are uh, six other colors. There's a purple one that isn't showing up yet, up yet for us because the purple one is um, to tonify the crown chakra. And I don't believe that the human race has evolved yet to the point where we are ready to completely open the crown chakra. What we do is open our heart chakras at this time. And so the red one is showing up for us to open the heart chakra. uh, There was a gold one, a kind of a copper-colored one that was for the spleen chakra, and that was was used heavily back in uh, the early days of the early alchemists of Taoistonic herbalism to uh, help humans, you know, attain their physical empowerment. And now we have... uh, reached a point where we now need to move up in our energy to more of a heart chakra consciousness to give back to the earth what we have taken. And so, so the red ratio is showing up for us to help facilitate uh-huh. that. Uh-huh. We have some that's like the spores as well. Yeah, um, I, I have an unresearched uh, and uneducated feeling about this. Yeah. Um, I don't really like to use the spores. Um, because the spores are um, an extraterrestrial device for um, surviving uh, space travel, and they are very resilient. They're, they are designed uh, to not not be fractured or broken up. They can survive burning meteorites and, wow. and frozen for millions of years and all that. And uh, they are the intergalactic, um, you know, seed of for the fungal family, which is an you know is a is an intergalactic. Uh, it's all across the whole uh, galaxy and uh, the whole universe and, um, and the spore is, is its uh, little space pod and then when it gets to earth it has to it breaks down in, in a in a uh, agar medium of some sort to to start to mycelinate and I don't believe that cracking the spore it's unnatural I, I don't think it's right yeah um, so when they crack the spore they're going to um, subject it to oxidation inside uh-huh. all, of the, all of the components then they get the oil out they, they crack the spore to get the oil out and um, I, I just don't feel good about it I, yeah. I just um, it's like taking your baby and slamming it against the wall oh. to you know, get it to eat you know <laughs> yeah and it, it really matters what the ratio's grown on as well doesn't it yeah uh, certain types of wood are really good uh, uh, oak is good um and uh, they grew it in a type of wood called Duan wood in China. That's yeah. where I'm from. And that's said to be a type of pine. And pines, pines generally have a resin that is, an, that is antagonistic to fungal, fungal um, in, in, you know, uh, 
intrusion, but um, this one is somehow conducive and it, it produces more triterpenes, which are another class of nutrients in it that are really valuable. And um, but uh, yeah, you know the thing. Another thing I, I propose reishi for a lot is that it cannot be exhausted. We could all be growing it right in our own yards. Um, as long as you have a shady place that's somewhat damp, you can plug the logs. You can get the plugs from Paul Stamets, and probably people in England are doing it. Get the plugs, and you just get a quarter-inch drill. Actually, it's five-sixteenth-inch drill bit. Drill uh, the holes in the log and and uh, hammer the plugs in there, the mycelinated plugs, and then stack the logs up in a kind of a shady place and water them every once in a while. And pretty soon, you're going to have reishi. Wow. And everybody could be doing this. Now, that that's the big distinction between um, – I know there are, out there are big proponents of chaga that are everywhere now. Everybody's talking about chaga. Yeah. Chaga is a different thing because chaga takes a long time to form, yeah. and so it has to form uh, in a pretty much in a wild setting, and it is extremely valuable stuff for health. But it could be decimated, and uh, we could over harvest yeah. it. Whereas reishi can just be available for all of us all the time. Oh. And if someone was to grow their own, then how would they consume it? Just dry it and make teas, or well, once the fruiting body uh, arises, which is the cat part you're familiar with. Um, sometimes it comes up off of a stem, and sometimes it just comes out like a conch out of the side. And uh, once that arises, you can start to like go out and just break pieces of that off. It's kind of foam. It's kind of like a piece of spongy material yeah. first, and you could put that inside of a blender with some water and blend it into kind of a pulpy material, and then decoct that like on a low boil on a, a stove for about okay. ten or fifteen minutes. Then let it cool for a while and pour it through a strainer. Then uh, the rest of the reishi that you don't use, you can dry it. And one way to uh, dry it is to point it, uh, turn it upside down in the sun for a little while, and it'll uh, increase its vitamin D content. And then uh, you know, watch out that it doesn't get moldy while you're drying it out, uh, because it's still uh, wet, it's still moist inside for quite a long time. So you have to dry it in the sun for maybe a week. And then um, you can put, the, you know, keep those around. Um, even still, then I wouldn't recommend keeping it in a plastic bag or anything because it could get moldy. Now, once it, you dry it, it becomes kind of hard, like a piece of cork, and then uh, you have to. You can cut it with a pair of like a, uh, like a pruning shears, mm-hmm. um, and then uh, into little cubes and try and grind that up, or you know, decoct it like that. Then you want to decoct it for about an hour in a very low boil at that point. You know, cover. It's, it's the funniest thing, isn't it? Because it looks like a fake. It looks like a toy. Yeah. And you'd yeah. never think it was like this most powerful uh, yeah. you? Oh, oh yeah. Constantly when people see my races, they go, is that real or is yeah. it just a model of one? Yeah. I'm like, no, it's real. They can't believe it. Yeah. 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 Uh, to go back then before when you were talking about chi earlier on, and when I do my talks on raw foods and I talk about enzymes, and enzymes is kind of like a hard concept to describe but the way I think of enzymes I think of it like the chi like the life force of the food and you kind of said a similar thing would you say that because I don't have any like scientific basis for saying that enzymes is the chi but would you say that is like the right uh, conclusion to draw enzymes and chi are are synonymous they're the same Brilliant. Uh, chi is sunlight chi is the light from stars that is a catalyst for um, change and um uh, planets and every living organism on a planet is essentially a storage unit of that sunlight. And so the equation, the very simple equation becomes how much sunlight are we getting, how much are we storing, and how much are we using. Mm. Um, there is uh, prenatal sunlight, and we call this prenatal gene. 
And this is the genetic inheritance that we got from our family, our ancestors. And when we're young, we live on some of this. And so when we're young, we can, um, if, we, if we experience a nutrient-deficient diet, the body draws up some of this prenatal chi, we call gene, that was the sunlight your ancestors took in and held in their, in their hormones and their kidneys. Mm-hmm. Now that comes through to us, and that's called epigenetic you know, uh, uh-huh. gene, or epigenetic chi. That is what we are living on, and many people think that that is, they just think, oh, I'm fine, my energy's fine, you know. Oh, I don't need to eat any of that health food stuff, just give me a box of uh, crackers, you know, I'm cool, I don't need that. And uh, because they're living on this prenatal energy that their ancestors gave them, it's not a good idea, because once you use that up, you're vulnerable to exhaustion, and and, uh, your life, you're not going to be as adaptable, as creative. And maybe your children might not be as healthy, you know. And so the the, um, the prenatal chi and then the, the amount of chi that you take in in your life, how much chi is in the food that you're eating? How much was in the food your ancestors ate? This is an interesting subject, and it's the uh, topic of my latest book, which I just finished, which is called Threshold of the Fourth Chakra. I actually have copies of it already. Um, and uh, it is... Um, the human race is sitting at a threshold where we have been pretty much living off of the chi, the accumulated chi of our ancestors. When they were still eating food that was wild and they were eating wild berries out of their backyard and drinking creek water and getting sunlight, um, we are still have been still living off that. But it's that bad that bank account is running out. Yeah. And now for the last four generations, it's been people eating pancakes with uh, you know with ham and butter and and. and uh, <laughs> And coffee for breakfast, and uh, what what do we get? There, there's no new investment, you see, in that epigenetic chi, and so you're starting to see a weakening and a vulnerability, especially of younger people. No, uh, what what did uh, uh, that friend, that American expat who was living in Paris long too, long ago, art enthusiast woman? She said. Uh, she was talking about America, and she said, there's no there, there. <laughs> and, uh, but now, when I look at some people, I think the same thing. There's yeah. no there, there. Because they ne- they haven't been accumulating chi, yeah. the vital energy of life. And the chi is in the plant. The plant's a storage unit. We take it in, and we are storing it in our kidneys as an energy called jing that we're going to use later or pass on to our children. So then diet becomes a much, much more important issue when we start yeah. to speak from in this viewpoint. Well, also there's all the things like vaccines and electromagnetics and all that's really depleting people, isn't it, as well? Yeah. Oh, yeah, EMFs and, um, uh, God, you name it, when yeah. it's the onslaught. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, I um, mean, you know, I still believe we can get that back um, because the body has a miraculous way of regenerating. If we can take and, and, and derive some of that prenatal chi before it's worn out and and, uh, and uh, rebuild the genome, and we can get that integrity back and maybe even go beyond that and be, be like those Hissian immortals. We, we, we probably could. Yeah. <laughs> so, again, I could ask you a million questions right now, but I really wanted to um, talk about the gate of life. When I listened to your last interview, that was the thing that really stood out for me, and then I saw you've got this whole program on it, which looks really fascinating. So... Do you want to just recap uh, for people what the gate of life actually means, what the idea of that is? 
Okay, I'll try and be get this into a really brief nutshell because, of course, it uh, it's something that uh, once you plant this seed in your mind, it, it uh, the re, the the truth of the wisdom of it can unfold for you every moment of the rest of your life, and that's what's the most beautiful thing that I, I love about it. Every day I wake up more in awe of what the insights that my teacher Ron T. Garden gave to me and that now I'm, I'm hopefully, hopefully passing on too. Um, but um, the gate of life is itself is a point in the body that is associated with the solar plexus. And this is where the, that original chi um, from the galaxy comes in to the body the gate of life is located right between the two kidneys so the kidneys wind up being this the storage repositories of some of this profound energy of life and um, and uh, then uh, the spleen is the um, in the stomach and pancreas and all that are the metabolic uh, product that lets us use some of that man and uh, metabolize some of that into energy for our, for our activities now there's a basic philosophy behind life that that, that um, is called the three treasures and this is the basic philosophy that we follow the three treasures um, holds that there are three types of energy one of them is chi it is the vital energy of the sun that uh, spur spawns all of life and perpetuates life and metabolism in our experience um, the second is a held version of that chi that is held and sustained within us so that we pass that on to future generations. It's a sort of a backup energy and this energy is called Jing and it's held in the kidneys. Mm -hmm. The kidneys, the adrenals are the valve that lets some of that Jing energy out to be used in the, in the world. So the adrenals, adrenaline energy is very closely related with all of the sexual energies and the, and the um, neurological, our drives, our sexual drives, and our defense, and our uh, creativity, libido, and adventure. All this is, a, the adrenals are a portal of it. When, when we're engaged in any of that uh, vibrant uh, uh, life adventure, we are drawing some of this deeper energy from the kidneys called Jing, but it's actually, it's actually a, a concentration of the original Qi. Now, how we take in this Qi and store it as Jing has everything to do with not only our health, our longevity, and the vit vitality and creativity and abundance of our lives, but it has to do with our children too. And so it's eventually you see when you understand this original energy and how it's used, you see it in everything, every living plant, every animal. Oh, that, that dog's got a lot of gene. No, that one doesn't. You know? And so it becomes a really fascinating thing to observe. Now, there's a third treasure, too. Um, the third treasure is called Shin, and that is the spirit. And so uh, one of the, I guess maybe the main reason why um, I'm so... Uh, compelled to stay with the the as a Taoist tonic herbalist in my whole as a Taoist tonic herbalist my whole life studying the gate of life philosophy is because the a whole third of the emphasis of our health is placed on our spiritual health in our in our lineage wow. now, um, because it because you see if we just want to uh, build up muscle musculature and have a healthy sex life well, that's fine but that's just a form of materialism yeah. if we're not learning anything if we're not seeking to go deeper into the mystery and what do we learn from this? You know, uh, and the wisdom that we attain. That's why the Chinese uh, and, the, and the Asian civilizations are, have. That's where they're more profound than we are in the Indian civilization, because they're they love that part of life when it comes where you're ready to really let Shen manifest in your life. You know, and um, so. But what I believe is that Shen cannot truly manifest 
unless we fortify and nurture and protect and cultivate jing and qi. And the reason that you and I are, you know, are uh, aligned on this is because qi is in the living food. It is. It is enzymes. Mm -hmm. Qi and enzymes are synonymous. Enzymes are not really things that they're probably proteins of some sort, but that just gets into a, a little bit of science where science always has to uh, uh, manage to make everything into the material. But um, Dr. Norman Walker, the guy who wrote um, the great book on raw juicing way back in the early 1900s, uh, he says uh, throughout the enzymes are, are, are not a living, they are, they are not a thing, they are energy, right. and they are for the sun. And he was picking up on the very same thing we're talking about. Right. Can we go back to Jing? Because um, I've been really interested in hormones recently and just looking at how people in the West are so just running off their adrenal energy and looking at it from terms of how that impacts the other hormones because the hormones are all so interrelated. But then from what you're saying, there's like a double danger to, to how people just are, are hammering that, that their adrenals constantly. Um, there is the adrenals it, it's a big big issue um, the adrenals are the portal to our adventure and if that adventure becomes it, it can be it can be usurped by stress response it, all of the energy you could be using to go on a, a, a hike or a, do run a marathon or have a wonderful lovemaking session with your partner or create a new painting um, this is the same energy that is used is usurped by stress, and the Chinese call this leaking, leaking the, your jing out of your kidneys. That that stored chi called jing, we're leaking it out when we're under stress because the adrenals are opened up. The portal of the adrenal, the adrenals. I, I like to see the adrenals like a kind of like a guard gate of our gold vault that is our jing in the kidneys. Now, when you're, so you've got this big gold vault in there you inherited from your ancestors, and that's where the great athletes that you see have lots of this gene, you know. And, um, and they're using it out there on the basketball court. But when we're, when we're under stress, the same portal is open. The guard dogs are off duty, and the, and the gene is leaking out. And it drains us, and that's where people age. Yeah. People age when they're under stress. You see people, I mean, in America, I, I think probably in England too, I've been there a few times, I've noticed it. People seeming to shrink and their hair turns white when they're really young. And yeah. In America, you get this kind of a senile thing where people just aren't really learning anymore. You can talk to them, but they're just not getting it. And you realize it just, they've leaked all their vital gene out and right. it's usually stress. Right. And so what we want to do is, you know, what the Chinese say, plug the leaks. And they found herbs that plug the leaks. Another thing, I just I go back all the time to how brilliant they they are and how they figured this out. <laughs> but they realized the scourge of stress thousands of years ago, yeah. and they found herbs that actually help counter stress. They were already into anti-stress activity way back, thousands, you know, probably by 1500 BC, and they found herbs that quote plug the leaks and protect the adrenals and protect your gene from being leaked out. Shizandra is one of the top ones for that. Uh -huh. But reishi is a big one because, like I said, when you build up your immune system, you're going to feel safe. Yeah. And uh, what's that going to do to your adrenals? I mean, you yeah. feel safe. Yeah. That, that feeling of unsafeness and vulnerability is a big yeah. uh, causing a lot of leak. Yeah. Um, but uh, the adrenals are the are the uh, portal of our adaptability to life. And so um, Hans Sale, the, the great endocrinologist, you know, he said that um, uh, adaptability is truly the measure of our life. How we adapt. Wow, when those guys are playing basketball, they're under a lot of stress. 
but they adapt to it and they do it, you know. Um, and so our ability to adapt to the stressful episodes is the measure of our lives and our vitality. Yeah. When that stress trigger comes, if you just go, ha, 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 right, then <laughs> you're safe. If, when, the stress, when, the tra- when the stress trigger comes and you go, huh, no, <laughs> you know, what, what's going to happen? Nature, the, the stress, they're going to go on. Like if the robber comes down the alley and you got two women came out of a, came out of a movie, right, walking along with your purses, heading for the parking lot, walking through an alley, that was a good movie. Yeah, that was fun. Oh, here comes this guy out of the other side of the alley with a hood, hoodie on, right? And he's crouching down with his arms out. He's looking at him, right? So then uh, these two women could react in, in completely different ways. One of them could respond like, oh, oh, don't hurt me, please, right? And the other one could respond like, just try it, buddy, right? Now, which one of the two is the robber going to go after, <laughs> right? <laughs> and so this is, this is prevalent throughout nature, if if we stand if we stand up, when that stress trigger comes, we're like, <laughs> I'm impervious. You know, you can't harm me. We're we have we have we can cultivate what we call what we call health beyond danger. Uh-huh. You know? And uh, that is a mechanism of a long life for sure. But then we're saving that that energy for our creative exploration, yeah. our sexual lives, our you know, our athletic endeavors, all that. So you just touched on it, but I'm sure the majority of people listening to this will be going, I'm not doing that. My adrenals are really, <laughs> my adrenals need support. So what would be the top things? You mentioned Chisandra. Well, thank you. Little? I don't know. I mean, is it okay for me to advertise some of my stuff? Oh, please. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Um, I just created a new formula and uh, it is a um, adaptogenic adrenal formula. I believe one of the greats. Oh, amazing. It's called High Altitude. And uh, we, we named it that because um, my, my partner, Bryn, actually came up with that name. And, uh, and, um, and um, we called it that because all of the herbs come from very high growing, high places. So it's rhodiola, which comes from very high mountains. Cordyceps, shilajit is a high mountain substance that's uh, uh, collected way up in the high Himalayas. Uh, astragalus, which supports what we call upright chi. So it has a way of helping chi go up. Um, and uh, then uh, uh, Ho Wu is there just to tonify the kidney and re- replenish adrenal kidney. Um, and uh, this is a, a really phenomenal formula. Um, I do believe I put a, it's brand new, we don't even have it out yet, but yeah. I put a little Ophiopagon in there, which is um, an herb that tonifies the lung chi. And, um, and so this is a big adaptogenic formula. Um, I'm marketing it to people who are either athletic, but people who think a lot, people have to be on the ball. People have to adapt to a lot in life, yeah. and um, and then even like people who sit and think, like secretaries and paralegals and architects and that kind of thing. Um, fantastic, you know, um, a really really wonderful formula of top adaptogens that help bring oxygen to the brain and uh, tonify lung, chi, and the adrenals mm-hmm. in the kidney. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that's called high altitude. I think we're going to have it up on our website within a few weeks. Oh, um, yeah, that's my big uh, adaptability formula. You know, I, I created a uh, concise line of, of products on shamanshackerbs.com, is my company. Um, and I recently, when, when living in Maryland, I had some spare time and I thought about my company and thought, well, I don't really have a very complete product line. So 
so I enhanced it and created uh, a new connoisseur's line of products for us. There's seven products in all that are really, really, really sophisticated tonic herbal formulas based on the ancient Chinese Materia Medica, but I believe even taking it further. I don't even think there is a formula in the whole Chinese Materia Medica that is similar to some of these. One I made for women called Women's Complete, it has, um, you know, uh, basically four formulas in one. Um, and if I were a capitalist, I could have made four different formulas, but I just said, no, I'm not going to do it. I, I love my women too much in the world. I want, us to, I want our women to be healthy. So um, I, I said, I'm just going to uh, make it uh, all in one. So it has a component for uh, metabolism and weight management and just general energy and deriving chi from the food we eat. And another component for blood, for fortifying blood and make sure it's moving freely, which is going to help the moon cycles. And just, you know, a lot of women are near anemia that I test. Yeah. Um, and then another component for uh, kidney um, and, uh, and uh, adrenal. And then the, finally one for uh, a, an, a component in there for beauty. I have pearl and chisandra in there. Yes. So uh, it's called Women's Complete. And that formula, with a, along with a really healthy, uh, responsible diet, I think could be very profound. For helping women and vegetarian men, I take it myself because I'm a vegetarian. Yeah. So, uh, mm-hmm. And what about uh, Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're getting ready to revise that. Um, I always, uh, you know, to me, it's a funny thing, but I've taken a lot of products in my life, and many of them, most of them, I have to say, I've never really felt that much of a profound effect. But Super Morning Jing, I used to think it was too potent. <laughs> I had an aversion to taking it sometimes. It just felt it just felt the potent to the to the point where it felt heavy on me. And um, so uh, we've revised it. Um, we're going to um, uh, we're putting uh, reishi, shilajit, and romania into it. But okay. we're actually taking out the moringa. I think that moringa was the Ooh. part that seemed a little murky. And we're reducing the amount of chlorella. Oh. Uh, it's going to become more of a black food product now. With the uh, so it's going to have hosha wu and romania, which are both youth and longevity tonics. Plus the black bean, black rice, and black sesame are all anti-aging black uh, substances. Then we got the shilajit in there, which is again a black. Um, Herb um, and it is uh, everything, you know. All, it's basically Shilajit is ancient rainforest, is what it is. And then we have Reishi in there for, uh, for this, you know, the spiritual and immune component. Um, and uh, I, I mean, I am really excited to get this out and I'm going to start taking it myself big time. Right now, I take my regular morning jing every day. I do never, I never go without that. I just yeah. don't ever want to miss that stuff. And uh, my protocol lately, and I believe I might have mentioned this last time we talked, is I'm, I go out in, in, the, in the field and get weeds. I make sure the field that, you know, I go to a place that has nobody spraying yeah. pesticides. And I get weeds like plantain and mallow and lamb's quarter and um, some plants. I really don't even know what they are, but I recommend people do some research before you start grabbing stuff. Yeah. Um, and I come in and uh, put that in a, in a blender with some um, nut milk, like cashew milk mm. and my morning jing and a little bit of honey. And then I might throw in high altitude, that formula of mine, and blend that up and drink that um, every day. That's and, your uh, breakfast. Yeah, that's breakfast. <laughs> then really, you know, I feel like kind of, I'm sure it isn't advisable, but I feel like after I do that, I can kind of go out and if I'm in the evening and um, like, Sometime we'll go out to an Italian restaurant or something, and I might go ahead and get a glass of wine or a beer. Um, I might go ahead, and if there's a little pizza, I might eat a little pizza of it, you know, because I feel like I always usually have a salad or something then too, but 
I feel like um, if we're really treating ourselves good and doing yeah. some super duper stuff, uh, we can handle a little bit of that, you know, yeah. like refined carbohydrates and things like that. Yeah. That comes hilarious. up a lot because people are really like fixated upon the 100% raw thing. And obviously, myself, I am, I like to say fully raw. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't like to put a number on it. But that's uh-huh. what I always say is like, well, surely the whole point of it is that you should be able to, you know, because I use things like balsamic vinegar and yeah. miso. And then also you've got the fact that things like reishi and chlorella aren't raw. But surely that's the point of it is your oh. body, if your body can't handle a bit of balsamic vinegar, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. then you're not in a very good state, uh-huh. are you? <laughs> yeah, you can possibly build up a vulnerability to toxins if you try and avoid them too much your body is not acclimated and then when they come around it could cause trouble you cause a big uh, you know uh, a reaction somehow in the body so say you avoided allergens and, and glutens and things entirely for so long and you were on such a pristine diet then you happen to eat something accidentally that had a little of that in there it can wind up having a more uh, you know negative impact because your body isn't acclimated to it. That's what happened to the Native Americans and a lot of the indigenous peoples over the world when the white man introduced our refined carbohydrates to them. It had a a very uh, intense effect that you know that the that we you know those people the white people didn't see you know the European colonists and Americans uh, the colonists they didn't experience those things but when the Native Americans took them or when Australian Aboriginals or these groups took uh, refined carbohydrates, as we see in Dr. Weston Price's great book, Nutrition and Physical Degeneration, which is my favorite book, and we see the photographs in there of the quick effects, uh, negative effects that refined carbohydrates had on on indigenous peoples of the world is because they weren't, their bodies weren't acclimated to it in any way. It was just like an A-bomb that went off when they took this stuff. You just you just told us what you start the day with. Is there anything else that you always have, like in the evening or in the afternoon? Any other kind of tonic ritual yeah. that you have? Um, I I love to have a nice elixir at some point in the day. I usually make it like a latte. I have a little latte machine. I always joke uh, when my girlfriend comes over. I always joke and say, uh, "This is in my kitchen, <laughs> my little my little frother thing," you know, and. Uh, I make some hot water in there and then I froth the nut milk yeah. and uh, make a little women's complete elixir with a little bit of honey in there. And um, I love that, you know. And now what I say to people is um, get my book, The Hissian, and curl up in bed with a nice Three Immortals elixir. Yeah. <laughs> Wonderful experience, you know. Yeah. But yeah, food-wise, um, yeah, I'm more and more, little by little, I just find myself gravitating toward, you know, just wanting to go to an organic salad bar yeah. and pile it on, you know. But I'll throw cottage cheese on there, you know. I don't worry about it too much. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't do that every day, but if I have a whim, you know, um, I might throw some artichoke hearts on it or something like that. Mm-hmm. But um, I uh, I just crave uh, having that sunlight in the food, man, yeah. however it's going to be, you know. Yeah. Fermented foods, living foods. You know, my body is now at that point where um, I crave it, and that's, that's when you're at the good point. You're not doing it out of some feeling like some obligation, but you're doing it because you're craving it. Yeah. Do you do much fermented foods? Not a whole lot. But what I did do recently, I created another product called Deep Cleanse, and it's a powdered extract of um, about uh, 13 different herbs that are all uh, very famous throughout uh, Asian history for helping keep the uh, microbial stuff in check. Um, basically, you know, the Chinese have never had a major plague in their history. Ah. 
you know, uh, the, the, when uh, Europeans brought plagues in there, they knocked it out pretty quick. Even the SARS virus and the bird flu, uh, they knocked it out pretty quick. Um, but um, I, some, many of those herbs are in this formula called Deep Cleanse. And I decided to make myself the prime guinea pig of it first, so I'd make sure it was good. And I don't give anything to anyone that would hurt them. And I took it myself in very high amounts for um, about six months before I decided it was, you know, or maybe three months at least before I decided it was safe for anybody else. But the one thing that I noticed was um, pretty much the day after I started taking it, I had a funny poop. Um, you always know you, you got rid of a bunch of yeast, you know, kind of dark, <laughs> syrupy. And then, uh, and then that I felt immediately like what, what I noticed is I felt more calm and relaxed and peaceful. And then, then that same day, I went to my health food restaurant where um, I'm living in a rural place in Maryland, but luckily I have this fantastic raw health food restaurant pretty near me, and I go there pretty much every day. It's called Pure and Simple. Mm -hmm. And I, I went in there to get my usual lunch, and uh, I had had a major sweet tooth my whole life, really bad. And so my pattern was to go into this place, and right before, while I was looking for, uh, at the menu for what to eat, I would just grab one of these quinoa cacao cookies they had that were ultra sweet yeah. and I would sit there eating one of those things while I was looking for whatever I wanted to eat for lunch and well this day I walked in maybe two days after taking my deep cleanse formula walked in and started looking at the menu and bought my you know black rice Thai salad or something and went over and ate it left got in a car I'm driving home and I went wait a minute I didn't need a cookie. <laughs> it was like the first time ever in my life, you know. And and I was like, you know what? I didn't want one. Yeah. And I still, ever since that day, I have not wanted sugar. And man, I can tell you for a fact that when we get sugar out of our lives yeah. and out of our bodies, when those yeasts are down and they're yeah. not craving the sugar, it affects our psychology. We're more peaceful. We yeah. sleep better. We're more calm. And this is all going back to the adrenals, too. When our body's acidic and that yeast is wanting all that sugar, keeping us in an acid pH, we're going to be uh, irritable, worried, uh, you know, tick off, you know, easily ticked off, this kind of stuff. And, man, when we reduce the sugar cravings, like a sort of a shin peacefulness comes in. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's the biggest addiction, I think. It is, and it's just so, it's in such many things, in salad dressings and just all this stuff that yeah. you don't realize. Yeah, people don't have no idea how addictive, because things like tobacco and caffeine, everyone's aware of those addictions, but sugar is like far more, people yeah. are far more hooked on the sugar. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's the yeast in the bo our bodies that's craving all that sugar. Right, everything's bacteria, isn't it? That's my kind of realization this year or the last kind of 12 months is just everything comes back down to bacteria doesn't it yeah yeah we're just massive storage units of lots of other life forms yeah <laughs> they don't want to be fed they're various diets yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we really we got sidetracked off the gate of life a bit and that was that was where huh. i wanted to go just do you want to tell people a little bit about the program and if they're interested? Yes, in I created an online course called Gate of Life. It discusses in very concise terms, non-technically, the precepts of my lineage, the Gate of Life. It talks about the three treasures. It discusses the real uh, meaning of the yin and yang, which are uh, the dualistic energies that rule all life, that all life is subjected to. And it's in, in the West called dualism. Um, it discusses that first. Um, well, first it gets you into a little history about how everything started, including living organisms. Um, and then it uh, goes into, uh, you know, the yin and yang, the basic philosophy of life that the Chinese figured out. And then it goes to the three treasures to discuss those three primary energies of life that I, I talked about a minute ago. Yeah. 
Um, and then it, it gets into tonic herbs and tonic herbal formulations in order to tonify the three treasures. Now, when we, when you, we use the word tonify, what we're saying, um, this is a Greek word that uh, was used by, uh, um, you know, um, uh, oh, who was the father, Western father of medicine, Hippocrates. Yeah. He said uh, that uh, to tonify means to bring into tone, into harmonious tone. So what we're trying to do is to bring the frequencies of the body into a harmonious tone through tonification. And, um, and so, you know, the living food and the, and the tonic herbs, the tonic herbs are uh, very, very instrumental in helping um, us it, um, maintain this nice tone between the three treasures, body, mind, and spirit. Now, uh, so the, the course uh, simply goes over those. It, it gives you the precepts of, the, of these uh, energies in a way. And it talks, of course, about tonic herbs and various formulas. But it gives you this energy in a way that basically plants a seed in your mind that you, you, the rest of your life this seed will unfold for you. So uh, it's a pretty concise course and it's not technical. There is no test. You don't have to take a test. Um, I thought about that, but be because there's no quiz, I can't give you a diploma in the end because I don't really know whether you really studied it. But it's just there. Um, and uh, it, it's all downloaded automatically when you um, enroll. It comes with a copy of my new book, Three Treasures, which uh, is a, a physical uh, reading of the, the uh, Three Treasures uh, philosophy. And it has uh, a PDF on the course of my original book, Healing Thresholds. And then it comes with um, eight whole herb formulas, each one to tonify one of the organ systems and is associated with a certain chakra. Mm. And uh, there's a cleanse formula in there too. And so, yeah, it, it's a, a really neat... Uh, what happened was when Ron T. Garden taught me for eight years, and I was his personal apprentice and tea master, and I was being taught in a lineage that has continued for 5,000 years of a master pupil one on one apprenticeship. So, Master T. Garden got that from his teacher, Sun Jin Park, and then he taught me the same way. Now, though, I looked at it at that time and I said, Well, we're in the Aquarian age now, and I don't really think these young people today have the time, and I don't have the time, to have somebody crawl into a cave with me for eight years. <laughs> so i got to figure something out, how to continue this lineage and teach it in, in its true integrity. Um, and so it dawned on me. I said, well, wait a minute, though. We have the Internet so that a video, I can be talking one-on-one -on -one with, yeah. with the uh, student. It's, it's, still, it's still the teacher-pupil. Um, and so that part of it's taken care of now through through you know this technology, and if I send you the whole herb formulas in the mail, you can hold, feel, touch, taste, and drink tea of the herbs. So it is the same. And once I realized that, I I, I can do this. So I created this course, and I'm really proud of it. Yeah, I love how you explain things because it's a lot of these concepts are, are really hard. I think for us to get our heads around because it's not the way we're brought up to think it's, it's, you know, we're brought up in a very logical, you know, yeah. rational kind of mindset and it's kind of stepping out of that box, isn't it? So it's hard, I think, in the beginning for people uh -huh. to wrap their heads around, but I really get the sense with you that as well as having studied it so much um, and, you know, read the text and really learnt from the existing, it's also something that you understand so deeply on an experiential level and I think that's why you that's why it's so easy to understand what you're saying because you're combining both those kind of pillars of of understanding and then it just comes across as something that seems obvious. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, I think one of my um, main hopes is to um, convey it in a nutshell simply 
so that I can plant this seed in your mind. Uh, but from there, I mean, you can even take the course too, um, but then it becomes an experiential path for you, and it unfolds as you live. Yes. And, uh, you know, I have usually held the belief that it's about eight years of um, just ingraining what you learn. But the thing is, the beautiful thing is you can learn the original meaning of it all in a nutshell very quickly, um, like through my course or through um, even maybe a lecture I might give. But uh, it will take a while for it to the true profundity of it yeah. to really come to fruition for yeah. you. But that's that. See, that's the part that is really so beautiful. Um, it seems intimidating at first, and for a young person, I know when I was a young guy, somebody told me, "Yeah, it's going to be eight years before you can actually <laughs> utilize this information I'm going to give you." I would have gone. I think I'll check something else out, you know. But um, the 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 reward. But you see, the eight years isn't work. The eight years is still a glorious unfolding. Yeah. Of of the facets of a, of a fabulous jewel that is um, beautiful to walk down that path from the very beginning. Yeah. It's only what we mean is that it's, it's about eight years when it all finally really does become uh-huh. fully clear, you know, <laughs> for you. Yeah. I always think seven years because it's the seven year cycle. Do you think it's seven sure. years and then one on top, like a cherry on the top? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, well, sure. Well, seven years could be when you get it, and then the eighth year could be when you could start teaching. Yeah. You know? When it's lived, yeah. So amazing. So the new products you were talking about, which sound amazing, will they be will they be on sale like by the end of the year? Oh yeah, yeah. We're gonna have women's complete out, I think by next week. Um, wow. we're launching it very soon. And uh, we just finally got official labels made for our products. I'm really proud of how they look. and so we're we're just really ready to come out with things in a nice way and uh, the others will follow probably in a month or so. Could get some of the others out. I made a spirit formula called Shift. It's all shin herbs, reishi, Whoa. spirit root, spirit poria, albizia, longan, pearl, um, and so um, this is a beautiful thing for people on a spiritual path. I created one for sexual potency called uh, Spark, um, but also athletes can use that. And I've created a new one called Revital. It's uh, very good for uh, like a menopausal women, uh, people in midlife. To maintain bone density mm-hmm. and uh, support the hormones, support progesterone, and uh, uh, just to support the kidneys and adrenals, so that we have a long, you know, like good longevity and youthful vitality uh, in that part of life. But that's also just a great formula for athletes too. Um, so yeah, oh, but I, oh, I created one called Healing Healers. That's for healers. You know, healers drain the energy of, of the adrenal in their healing work. Yeah. They can Especially when other people are like energy vampires and they're kind of sucking it out yeah. of you and they want to, they want to drag you into their emotional problems. This can cause a drainage of this vital energy of yin from the kidneys. And so you need to replenish that in order to keep healing. And the, the Chinese, again, in their billions, they found that herbs that, that tonify the healing energies. Wow. And so they're in there. There's the, the, pot of the, the pot of the dendrobium flower is uh, called the healer's herb. And it's used, it saved my life once, I almost died when I was overdoing it in a healing session, uh, some healing stuff with dragon herbs, and uh, Ron Teagarden said, well, get down there and drink some healer's tea, and I went down <laughs> drank the tea with this herb in there, and I was immediately revived. Yeah. And now I've helped some other healers just feel immediately revived from this yeah. formula. So um, this one, Healing Healers, if you're an empath and a healer, if you're a teacher, if your person is always trying to help others, this is a great way to recharge your batteries. Isn't that spleen, though? I thought that was spleen. No, the healing energy is held in the kidneys. Okay. And it's held particularly at the solar plexus there. 
Okay. I thought people that gave a lot that were always like looking after the people, I thought they would have, they were inclined to have depleted spleen energy. Did I get that wrong? Well, um, women are oftentimes, you know, the healers and the empaths and the, the givers, and um, women uh, can tend to hold moisture and water around the abdomen, and uh, that turns into edema and bloating. Um, but that is oftentimes associated a little more with m metabolic issues rather than, um, okay. in, uh, you know, endocrine or psycho-spiritual. Okay. Well, well, I feel we just really scratched the surface of your incredible knowledge, but it's been really fascinating. We'll definitely all have to listen to this interview at least three times. <laughs> <laughs> maybe yeah, eight times. Cram, maybe, huh? <laughs> maybe we need to listen to it eight times and then we'll, like, really grasp everything in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, I'm so uh, glad that we offer uh, not all, but I think we offer most of your products on our site, and I really look forward to getting these new ones in. And if people want to visit your site, do you want to tell us again? Yeah, shamanshackerbs.com. Uh -huh. Yeah, I really appreciate that. Now my gate, my course is gateoflife.org. Brilliant, fantastic. Yeah. Romania, thank you so much for your time. Oh, you too, Kate. It's always a pleasure. <laughs> I always I'm so appreciative when I so thankful whenever I hear from you. <laughs>